and welcome to the Existentialist Cucumber, a rerun episode. Yes, that's right, one more rerun, but we will be back with a brand new episode as Curtis returns next week. So enjoy this episode that we originally recorded back on January 14th of 2022 of this year with our good friend Stevie D, who at the time was still reporting for The National and is now, after visiting our show, he is now a bigwig at the CBC's Fifth Estate. Coincidence? Eh, probably not. Anyways, hope you enjoy the rerun, and we'll see you next week. From home, I still produce reports in a professional font. But now when I have downtime, I can do what I want. And welcome to the Existentialist Cucumber, the podcast that never shoots itself in the foot, let alone the side of the face. And my name is Larry Wu. I'm Curtis Withers. Uh, Larry, I hope you are enjoying this uh, very seasonal uh, Toronto winter weather we're having. You mean the the typical t- dirty Toronto winter where we get a bit of snow and it and immediately turns to slush? Yeah, it immediately turns to slush, or or it or it just hardens and sort of you know makes the sidewalks completely unwalkable. Now, now we um, didn't mention it last week, but uh, happy birthday, Curtis! We we oh, we recorded thanks. the date the day before your birthday. See, I know it's your birthday because it's always bloody cold. It's also you also know it's my birthday, and we'll we'll touch on this a little bit later because it's a day that now lives in infamy, January six. <laughs> but we'll touch on that later. Yeah, because right now I want to introduce to you. We have a special guest on the show, and uh, he's he's agreed to stay with us for the entire episode, which is fantastic. So this man, this man used to come over to my apartment, and uh, we used to watch wrestling all the time with him. He was on the show last week. This man also was on the uh, Rob Ford file back in the day when he was in Toronto. He then moved to the U.S., and he covered the U.S. for the CBC. He covered the G20, uh, the World Cup, and also when uh, the Vikings invaded the capital. So... (laughs) Want to introduce to everyone um, the return of Stevie D to the show. Steve, welcome how's, back to the show. How's it going, guys? Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Hey, no problem. I'm, I'm glad you can spend the time with us. We didn't want to do like one other segment. You you said you had some time with us, so it'd be great that you kind of stick around for the entire episode. So I think uh, that'll be kind of fun. Um, yeah, I hope I don't regret this. <laughs> <laughs> never, never. So we, we want to start off the show. So last week, Curtis and I did a 2021 uh, recap of our show, kind of highlighting some wacky headlines and other stories and topics that Curtis and I talked about. Mm. Uh, we thought we'd give you the opportunity since, because I was watching cbc hoping to see your talking head of news story of the year but uh disappointed so um i thought maybe here's your here's your uh platform that uh you know we'll let you have it uh what why don't you tell us what your 2021 news story of the year is sir so yeah for me i think the 2021 news story of the year comes from my time working in the u.s and it was the insurrection the january 6th assault on the u.s capitol by uh a number of donald trump supporters it just sort of, you know, was a culmination of a lot of of the polarization in the U.S. and just all of the angst and all of the buildup from President Trump at the time. And it sort of set the stage for what the future of politics will be in the U.S. And even now, as we look back a year later, we wonder, you know, what's going to happen with the midterm elections? What's going to happen in 2024 when, in all likelihood, it seems Donald Trump will be running again for president? And what happens if he wins? 
you know, oh. the questions about democracy, the questions about the legitimacy of elections, it just sets up so many interesting things uh, and interesting questions about what's happening in the U.S. and our neighbors to the South. So I think for me, that is uh, the story of 2021. It's it's a far cry from politics up in here in Canada, right, Curtis? Like we we had a federal election as well, and and what happened? We you and I covered it on the show. Yeah, not not a lot. Not a lot. Um, somebody threw uh, a handful of gravel in Justin Trudeau's face, which is which is a far cry. <laughs> <Yeah>. Gravel, <laughs> as in like little or uh, ornamental pebbles that you would put in your uh, geranium uh, tank yeah. or. or- I think I think I think there was some one of the headlines was that, that somebody threw rocks at him and even gravel is generous but uh, even even that is a far play from the from the really bad road warrior cosplay that happened on the U.S. Capitol the, the, when the Vikings uh, attacked uh, the the Senate floor. I still love the one picture though or the video I remember of they're walking through one of the, the Senate rotunda I think and they're all inside the velvet ropes. And uh, <laughs> I think it was Norm, Norm Macdonald, actually, I think the late Norm Macdonald tweeted a photo saying, you got to love insurrectionists that respect the velvet ropes. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it, it's, it's interesting because, like you said, the story is st- still has legs and it's still going because how many people like there was a large number of people that got prosecuted as a result of all of that. Right. It was like 600 people. I thought I heard that number. It was in the hundreds. I, I you know, multiple of the hundreds. Yeah, I think uh, a lot have been charged. I don't know how many have, have actually been. Yeah, I think the difference okay. between the number who've been charged and the number of prosecuted is, is but, it varies. But yeah, there's still you know there's still a lot of a lot left to happen. And I mean, the most interesting thing for me is how you look at the right wing media, Fox News, and such, and they're trying to essentially justify or play down what happened. And there's all these conspiracy theories about who was actually behind it. Um, it's just it's fascinating to me on so many uh-huh. levels. And, and also, what I, I was watching something the other day, and it, it was—I think it was a woman who I believe she got charged, and that she's actually going to do time now. I don't know, probably very little, but she like went down in a private plane. Yeah. I don't know. She like just seeing these are not just like dudes at local dudes at the bar no, rolling no. out, and then that was the surprising thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it goes to show you just sort of the the breadth of 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 people that were there and it wasn't just, you can't just have this idea in your mind of, you know, somebody from a small town uh, who may, you know, maybe believes the, the hype and, and shows up. There were a lot of people there with, with means and with college educations, a whole, a whole range of people were there. So that's, again, that's, that's why, why I think it's so fascinating. Yeah. I, I, th- I think I'm okay with the pebble incident or what was there something with an O'Toole? Didn't he wear like some kind of, bad shirt people were making fun of him on one of his campaign videos oh yeah i, I oftentimes uh <laughs> wasn't he wearing like some kind of denim shirt and then the next you know like he was just being made fun of like yeah incessantly. it's nice to have those garden variety controversies right <laughs> yeah exactly exactly yeah yeah like when obama when obama was president it was the tan suit Right. Now, oh yeah. Now it's now it's insurrection. So the, the capital. The thing I've I've really liked though is lately, because you know the first anniversary came up and and so it's been you know newsy again. Is uh is I think uh, Ted Cruz called it a terrorist attack <laughs> and then right. and then apologized for <laughs> car- 
characterizing it as such. So like, yeah, you brought up like the, the right wing media, Steve, and, and, and at first they were trying to say that it was Antifa, that there was Antifa embedded within the crowd. Yeah. And that's what was caused it. And now that they've kind of moved on from that, you know, they're, they're fine with the, with the insurrection happening, but now you're not allowed to apologize for it or call it a terrorist. Attack. Call, yeah. And yeah, Tucker Carlson on Fox news took, Ted Cruz to task for not towing the line and, <laughs> and you know daring to call call them terrorists. So that uh, was uh, very interesting. Um, so again, coming back to Canadian politics and how 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 boring it is. I, I dug up something really interesting because I, I was thinking. I I think it was just that the, the topic came up and I thought, okay, I'm going to look them up, and it's the marijuana party. Now. Marijuana has been legal in Canada now for what? It's it's been it's it's coming up about two years. I don't know. It's it seems like it's forever because you can't throw you can't throw a, a dead cat at like Bloor Street without hitting three uh, dispensaries. But I thought, okay, well, isn't mission? Shouldn't they have something on their website that says "Mission Accomplished" and then it's done? But no, the marijuana party is still going strong. Yeah, I I think they may need to uh, repurpose their 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 mission. Come up come up with something, some something new to champion. Um, I don't know what that would be. Yeah, they they still haven't burned out, have they? No, but I think uh, <laughs> I think I think uh, Curtis. You know, their website is very 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 reminiscent to all the other conspiracy websites that we've been visiting all <laughs> in twenty twenty one, right? Except for the hit counter. Yeah, it's definitely something that looks like it was made on Microsoft front page. There's not a lot of content. I, I think, like you know, there's the for for the for the leader bio. It has the lead, the guy's name and then blah blah blah. <laughs> <laughs> but but you have to say they're probably you can say they're probably the most successful political party in Canadian history, right? Like everything, all the boxes yeah. checked. Mission accomplished. We're done. That's right. That's right. You know what they should do now. They should be the party of electoral reform because I think that's the only way it's going to get done. <laughs> you, do you think they can transition to that? <laughs> might be a bit of a hard turn. Yeah, it might be a hard turn. Yeah. Um, so, in just kind of going back to a story that we also covered, because Steve, you you told me some inside story when when I was trying to get you back onto the show back in I think it probably was in August, right, Curtis? You and I talked about the infamous or the now infamous ice condos uh we we did it we did we we covered a story we we kind of followed we went down the rabbit hole of the ice condos which seems to be more transient um, airbnb rather than people living there but just the fact that it's it's literally a hellhole was what was what was one of the quotes there was like uh, i think there was like blood on the elevator and then someone tweeted out the photo saying oh there must have been a uh, a, a satanic ritual or sacrifice to to legitimize the hellhole that is the ice condos. So, so Steve, you actually stayed there. So we thought we'd kind of yeah. go back to the story, and maybe you can give us the on the. You, you can even pretend that you're 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 on the group on the ground with for us. So yeah. So when I when the pandemic began, I was living in New York with my family for CBC, and the determination was made that we should come back to Canada because. We, we weren't sure at the time how bad things were going to get in New York and what kind of you know coverage we'd get health-wise and just what the situation was going to be. So they brought us back and they put us up in corporate housing and it turned out to be 
the ice condos, which I had not heard of at the time and was not familiar with. So, you know, I knew something was up when I got there. And in the lobby, there were a bunch of people who looked like they were there to party, standing with their bags and being told that they couldn't go to their Airbnb because the, the condo board had decided with the lockdowns that they were going to stop all short-term rentals. And so the lobby was just filled. And, and, you know, day after day, you'd see these people showing up that it looked like they were just coming to party for a weekend in Toronto. And securities there are like saying, sorry, guys, this is not happening. And so that was kind of our first indication that this was not a normal condo building. Our experience there, for the most part, was okay. I mean, we were in the apartment most of the time. I mean, the elevators were terrible. It was constantly a long wait. It was a strange moment where, an incident where there was some food delivered to our neighbor's door that sat there for about three days. And we knocked on the door, we tried to get security to call up, and we just didn't know. Was there somebody living there? Did something happen to that person? Was the food just delivered to the wrong address? Uh, you know, I have two small children. I just really wasn't sure if I wanted to know the answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> and so it wasn't until afterwards that I sort of learned the reputation of the building, and I thought, well, that was an interesting place to live. <laughs> for, for a couple of months. No, no, they, they, the articles that we were talking about, they, they said that the fire alarm was constantly going off when it would, when you were there, was it going off all the time? Yeah, I feel like it did. And I think we just learned to ignore it because honestly, <laughs> you know, but in the t- we were also on the 32nd floor. So, Oh my I mean, God. One thing I remember is like, for the most part, they had, you know, three or four banks of elevators. And I think only one was working most of the time. <laughs> I think there was one bank of elevators that just didn't work the entire time we were there. Uh, and so, you know, and so, and then, you know, it's a, it's a pandemic. And so you wait 20 minutes for an elevator and then suddenly it shows up and it's filled with people. And the last thing you want to do is get into it. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it just, it seemed more like a college dorm than it did, you know, a a downtown Toronto. I I was just about to say that it like reading the article, it reminded me, it was like, it just sounds like it's, yeah, it's like res. Yeah, yeah, totally was like the rest, yeah. <laughs> who, who, um, who the heck is managing that building? Like, they're doing a terrible job. That, that elevator, yeah. the elevator situation that you describe, it, it seems like that's been the case there for, you know, pretty much since, since it opened. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was just, uh, yeah, it was not a good scene. So, I mean, we were to live with it, but at the same time, probably not my first choice of places to go back to. So, so while while you were still reporting, because the pandemic hit while you were still covering the U.S., you know, mm-hmm. when when you were kind of going around doing your thing, um, like how were, were, did you kind of feel anxious even reporting during that mm-hmm. earlier times in the pandemic? Like, I kind of want to get your feel because you know Curtis and I can hide in our homes and and work from home, but you know, you in your job, it's kind of difficult to do just that, right? Because yeah. It was really bizarre because, you know, the only reason I knew the coronavirus was even happening was because I had CBC up in my office. But, like, the American media wasn't covering it at all in the initial stages. And so it wasn't until, you know, beginning of March that I started doing my first stories on it in New York. And I remember we went to uh, sort of the suburbs of New York City where there was, you know, the first big outbreak in New York happened. And, I mean, we weren't – I don't think we were wearing masks. So we were told to stay outside. But we weren't really socially distancing that much. And I remember there was a cameraman from ABC News who stayed in his vehicle. And there was a, the National Guard had set up a little station to, to hand out food and supplies to people. And so we were talking to people there. And he stayed on the street 
in his van with his camera shooting from there. And he was told, you know, this is a hot zone. I'm not allowed to get out of my van. Meanwhile, we're just walking around saying, what's, what's wrong with this guy? That's crazy, right? Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, it turned out later on that, you know, people got sick and some actually died from being in that area around the same time we were. And that's when, it, you know, really the serious of it, serious of it really hit me. And then when we came back to New York after staying in Toronto for a little while, it was when the George Floyd protests were going on. And so I was in crowds of like hundreds and thousands of people. And, you know, there were a lot of anxious moments. Like you're in the summer, so you're okay. You're feeling okay because you're outside, but you're also trying to distance yourself from people. But you're in a crowd marching down Fifth Avenue. And you're trying to interview people, right? And so you're trying to interview people, yeah. So, you know, you're trying to hold your mic at a distance, but still engage with people. And then you can't stop people from just coming up to you and yelling at you because mm-hmm. you're in the media. Um, so, I mean, the fact that I haven't got COVID after being through all those things and actually going on flights a number of times to go to different parts of the U.S., uh, it still it still feels remarkable to me. So that time, I, when I, I remember, that's what went through my mind when I first got the, my first vaccine shot was, I can't believe I made it to this point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everything I've been doing. You said something that Curtis and I talked about before, which is AI. The 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 opposition, the 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 COVID op, uh, anti vaxxers I guess they're now or just COVID deniers, always referring to the media. It makes it sound like you're sitting in a room with Fox News and CNN and other people and conspiring. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. like yeah. I mean, that's sometimes my my sort of flipping remark back to them is like, well, I'm sorry. I, I wasn't on that email this morning. I don't know what, <laughs> you know, what, the, what the evil overlords told us to cover today. And also, I mean, part, practically, it's like, do you really think we're that organized? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who controls the British crown? Who I keeps can, the metric system down? I can tell you from being sort of inside and seeing how the sausage is made. No, we're not. No one <laughs> no, is. <we're> not. <laughs> I so mean, the, you the, go. Joke, the joke that often goes around in newsrooms is that, you know, for you know, because sometimes there's just lack of communication between reporters and producers or, you know, people on the desk. And it's like, you know, for people whose primary job is communicators, sometimes we're very bad at it. And so when people think that we have all these, you know, conspiratorial plans going on, I'm like, you should really spend a day in a newsroom and you you'd immediately <laughs> see the truth. So there you go. The truth is out. The, the quote unquote, the media is, is, uh, is not sitting in a room together you know, planning out the next message. Um, I just want to say, I just wanted to say one more thing on that yeah. though. If you were in the media and, and you're doing this for a business and, and you could honestly, con- you know, control, like if you, you were manipulating this kind of stuff, wouldn't you want to have the COVID cure story by now and, and, yeah. and push that? Like that would be the money-making story. Mm-hmm. If you could break the COVID cure, like, no, 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 no media company wants to be going into a third year of reporting on no. on the. That's the one thing everybody tells us is like, oh, I don't want to watch the news now. Everything's so depressing. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, well, I think that we definitely be, should be planning that story if we could. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we got we got a feel good COVID story here, and this is a local Toronto story. It's it's not part of our headlines, but uh, I, I thought it'd be fun to kind of talk about. This is a a bar that uh, I'm sure. I'm sure maybe even one point in time, the three of us were actually in it together at one point in time, is Sneaky D's. So Sneaky D's has decided to kind of shift because obviously concerts are locked down, bars are locked down. They turned themselves in pro- into probably one of the most profitable businesses in Toronto, I, I could honestly say, and that's pulling coffee and cappuccinos. Mm-hmm. So Toronto, yeah, Toronto Dive Bar, Sneaky D's, transforming itself into a coffee shop. Get your 
what 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 was on the menu, guys? Uh, was it vegan cookies and cupcakes? Yes, and it also says our entire regular menu is still available for takeout delivery. So that means you can go there and order nachos for takeout. Maybe or uh, what did they have that was really good for breakfast? Was it the Huervos Ranchero? Well, yeah, Huervos Ranchero. I think that was, was good. Yeah. The Bro yeah. Favorito was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. When when uh, when when I when I first moved to Toronto, I lived with uh, our mutual friend uh, Benson Lee, who lived right around the corner from uh, mm-hmm. Sneaky D's. So when when I first moved there, uh, he went he he took me out for for breakfast one Saturday, so sort of like as a you know a welcome to the neighborhood breakfast, and I didn't I I I found out later that. Two nights before, a guy got shot in the face <laughs> in the top in the top floor, like the dance floor part of Sneaky D's, and later and later died of his injuries. And I think they took one day off, and then they were open for business. <laughs> well, I, I remember my first time going to Sneaky D's and seeing the ceiling on the main floor. <laughs> Just like looking up and just going, whoa. And this was when I think smoking had just kind of been outlawed in Toronto. But man, you can't get that tar off that ceiling. But but it's good to see that they, they, they're being creative and, and keeping themselves alive. And, you know, until the death metal bands can return to Sneaky D's. Actually, thinking about metal bands, we didn't see them there. But uh, since the three of us are here, we have to talk a bit about wrestling. Curtis and I went across the street was it? It was across the street at Co- at Cos. Cos, yeah, yeah. And we saw uh, Bruiser he, Brody. Like, he, yeah, we saw Bruiser Brody. The, yeah. It's a punk band, <laughs> a wrestling was, punk Dan band. Dan Lavransky was the lead singer. Yeah, so I don't oh, know. If, Dan Lavransky, yeah. yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I don't know if Dan is still around and covering wrestling in one way, shape, or form. Probably in a podcast format, being angry. And we, Curtis and I, went there specifically to see his band perform, and and. <laughs> it, it, it performed his their title so, title song Blade Hard, right? That's right. That's right. He had he had like see, he had the the Bruiser Brody like he had the the like the furry boots and the whole the whole the whole oh yeah he he, he had it down like the whole the whole thing and the drummer was, was dressed as a ref, wasn't he? he or was, something like yes. one of the band members was a it was ref. The drummer it was the yeah. drummer. <laughs> the drummer was a referee. <laughs> Yeah, they were like a, they were like they were like they were like guar but wrestlers instead of like <laughs> instead of monsters or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. It was a good show. It was fun. Yeah, I worked, <laughs> was, with, I worked with Dan Lavransky back on live audio wrestling way, way back in the day. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, on the on the law. On the law, yeah. Um Jason is doing quite well, right? Is the the, the real host? I'll call him the real host. <laughs> Or Jeff Merrick. Sorry, sorry. Agnew as well, I think. Well, there was Jason Agnew, yeah, yeah, Jeff Merrick. And then Donnie Abreu was one of the other co-hosts, uh, who I think was also a high school teacher. So I'm not sure what he's up to these days. Yeah. Okay. Well, we, we, we're going to ask what uh, – this is a good segue because we were wondering what Dan was doing. But So, Steve, Curtis and I do this uh, segment, uh, fun segment. And Curtis is actually batting quite well because I think Curtis out of – I think you've only missed two, right? Yeah, I think so. It was Eddie Money and uh, was it some obscure actress? I think we yeah, I, I stumped yeah. you with. Yeah, the Eddie Money one. I I I was hard on myself after that for not getting that one right. <laughs> this segment is a bit morbid. We call it Dead or Alive. So I've got four people in four pop 
culture genres, TV, movies, music, and wrestling. And I want you and Curtis to compete against each other. And, you know, you might have the same opinions, which is fine. And tell me whether or not this person is still living or has passed. All right. Okay. So for TV, this is TV dad. Well, you know, actually, we should acknowledge that a past TV dad passed away this week, right? Bob Saget, yeah. Yeah. I I never watched uh, Full House myself. I think I passed. I think that kind of passed my TV generation watching, but uh, yeah. I remember watching. Yeah, I grew, I grew up watching the show. So Okay. So, but this is another TV dad. This is uh, Family Ties dad, Michael Gross, who mm. we uh, should acknowledge also. He was in Tremor's Cold Day in Hell from our discussion last week. Uh, so, Steve, you're, you're our guest. So, why don't you go first? I'm going to say he's still alive because I feel like that's one of those nostalgia ones that. If he had passed away, we would have heard. I would. I felt like I would have heard more about it. Curtis, what's your call? I concur with with Steve. I also think he's alive. He is indeed alive. Seventy four. Is his career alive? Uh, he, apparently, he's still probably doing more Tremor movies. Which we we have to tell you, know, Steve, there are more than six. I think Tremor movies because <laughs> you weren't sure. You were like, oh, there was more. <laughs> I mean, once you get past six, that's pretty, that's, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, The next one is movie. So this is famous voice actor. I guess for us, he's probably done more voice acting or he's been kind of the uh, token Chinese uh, master character. He was uh, Lo Pan in Big Trouble in Little China and Master Sifu um, in... uh, in the, the, the Kung Fu Panda movies. This is James Hong. Ooh, this is a tough one. Uh, Curtis, why don't you go, yeah, why don't you go first? Uh, you know what? I looked him up re- really recently, <clears throat> and I think he was alive then, so I'm going to say he's he's alive. I forget why I was looking him up, but I was looking up James <laughs> Hong. Well, you should see his body of work. Okay, so we'll, we'll let Steve think about it this more, but if you go on to IMDb and look at his body of work, it is it is astounding, Right. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. going to have to. I'm going to. I'm going to have to go along. Uh, go along with Curtis on this one, just because he, he's got such a good record here. So I'm yeah, gonna, yeah, no, no, I'm he is. Say, so I'm say he's alive. James Hong is alive. He's oh. 92. Wow, for him. Yeah, he, he might outlive the Queen at this point. Yeah, I, yeah, no, for sure. I, I think it'll be like a bit of a competition. I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, have a look when you get a chance uh, at his body of work. It is crazy how much this man has done and how, you know, honestly, like little acknowledgement that he's done. Like, you know, he, he made a pretty good career for himself. I'm just, I'm just double checking right now to see if he has any, um, uh, upcoming gigs at 92, uh, you know, Hey, you can still roll. Oh my God. He does. <laughs> Starting with Michael Gross in the next, uh, Tremors movie. Oh, See, Steve, I like the way you're thinking. That's that is that is like you know thinking out of the box. No, I think he's actually in Turning Red, which is that Pixar movie. That's that takes why place. I looked him up. That's why I looked him up because I heard about this movie. It takes place in Toronto, right? Yeah. What's the movie? I don't know this one. Um, so this is a Turning Red, where this little girl who uh, seems to be like an overachiever, but I guess um, 
her family has like this weird curse where she can turn in kind of like teen. It's like teen wolf, except mm-hmm. she turns into a giant red panda when she oh. hulks out. Man, his body of work is impressive. Oh yeah, no. Like you said, he's still like at ninety-two. He's on this TV show, which I have no idea what this TV show is, Curtis or Steve. Uh, Gremlin: Secret of the Mogwai. It's a TV show. Oh, I guess it's coming out. He's he's in like in ten episodes. <laughs> wow, he must be like the guy who owns the curio shop or whatever. Oh no, he's Grandpa, and he's or still grandpa. he's still doing uh, the voice of. Sorry, he wasn't Master Sifu. Ah, oh, what am I saying? He was Mister Ping, right? He's uh, posed father, and yeah, he's still doing that voice into twenty twenty two. Like you know, direct a DVD. Oh, he was also in Blade Runner, right? Like. Yeah, like like not Blade Run, not the not the uh, Ryan Gosling Blade Runner, but the original Blade Runner. He was the optical doctor, right? I think so. Yeah, that I think so. Right. Mm-hmm. I think so. Um, okay, let's let's move on to music. This one's this this one might trick you guys up. It's Patti Smith, but not the Patti Smith you are thinking about. This is Patti Smith, the lead singer of the '80s band Scandal, who Ooh. does the song "The Warrior." I got to throw something to, to stump you guys because Curtis is... Uh... I'm going to say that she's dead. I think I, th- I think she's alive. I really think she's, al- she's alive. That song, that song is big in the Guardians of the Galaxy game. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Have you seen the... Did you go see the... Watch the video, Curtis? I think I mentioned you should go oh, and I check have, it out. No, I haven't, I haven't watched Revisit it. Revisit the video because uh, Patti Smith of Scandal... <laughs> <laughs> is still alive. She's sixty-four. Patty, Patty, Patty Smith is uh, is no longer with us. The the punk punk legend. Yes, uh, yes. But Patty, Patty Smith or Smythe of Scandal still graces us with her presence. I should have I should have just kept writing. You know, I should have just kept writing Curtis's coattails. I don't know why. I don't know why I I veered off. All right, so Curtis, you're doing quite well with this. Okay, this one might be a little easy, but I had to put in a wrestling one. I put it something generation that that. Uh, uh, Steve could participate, and we were just talking about this off-air about this character. Is Albert? I think I seem to recall that he did pass away. Um, unfortunately, with wrestlers, it seems like there's a lot of the generation that we watched that have died recently. I feel like he was among the group. Curtis, what's your call? I'm. I'm I, I. I know that uh, I've said all three were alive so far. I think it's going to be. I think I'm going to go for the alive sweep. I know that Test died. But I'm going to... Albert, also known as A-Train, also known as Big Buford. (laughs) I'm trying to think. Oh, and Prince Albert, right? That was was, was the funny name. Uh, But his real name is Matt Bloom. He's alive. Oh, well, yes. Matt is 49, so he's not that... uh, He's my age. Yeah, yeah. My apologies, apologies, Matt Bloom. Yeah, yeah. No, he's... uh, I think he is doing a lot of work with NXT right now behind the scenes. But Test, yeah, Test passed away, right? So I guess maybe that's what I was thinking. Yeah, we, we had Test in a, a previous uh, Alive or Dead and, and Curtis, mm-hmm. you you knew he didn't, what was, did he pass away from a drug overdose or some type of... I believe it was an oxy overdose, yeah. Hmm. Well, Wait, when, quite, like like a while ago, like I think he was pretty young, like he was still, was, I think he was still working. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. He, he he was he was like in his thirties, right? Yeah. Andrew uh, Martin, Canadian legend. 
Okay. Hey, Steve. You, well, I bow you down did, to Curtis's greatness. You, you did. You, you did not bad uh, for your first first go out of, uh, of of our dead alive segment. Also not good, but yes, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> now I, I don't know why. Maybe because this story talk made us talk about shooting ourselves in this in the side of the face many times. But I I didn't put this as a headline, but I thought it'd be a, a funny segment that Curtis and I. Uh, talk about as well. We call him genius or jackass. This guy, his name is Casper Knight. So he's a quote unquote rapper. So a hip hop, a, 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 a budding hip hop star, which we found out that on his YouTube channel, he only has 160 subscribers, which by the way, Curtis, we have more subscribers than he does. Nice. <laughs> that just seems unfair. So he was apparently doing a live video and I guess he wanted to pull this lavish social media stunt and in a Facebook live video, he shot himself in the cheek. Yeah, we should just give him a little slow clap for that one. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm just shaking my head right now. Yeah, so. uh, uh, a la Ed Norton at the end of uh, Fight Club. Yeah. But but he did have a picture of the the pistol that he shot. So any video game fans out there that played Battlefield, it, it looked like he shot himself with the Calibre, which is a two millimeter hand pistol that the Germans actually made. Apparently, he shot himself for a video. But we, we started going down the rabbit hole about his 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 art, and and we've we've yeah. yet to find. He's not on Spotify, so he has no published music. He has like one music video or a few music videos that we saw on uh, on YouTube, which I I'm just dreading hitting. The, the button of play but uh, curtis you found something else about the guy no no i know right now like if you you know this is the genius and jackass segment so if you were listening to the 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 evidence so far uh, your verdict would likely be jackass here's why he might be a genius under the name emperor casper knight he wrote a fantasy novel that was published in 2015 called ender's gate end of a golden age so uh, if, you, if I can um, read a little bit from the Amazon, um, uh, the Amazon page for the book, which, by the way, it has no reviews. Um, <laughs> Joshua III of House Zipper, a crippled boy of noble lineage, lives upon the perilous edge of a mighty golden age. A seemingly invincible worm stalks the skies above the kingdom of Nebo, terrorizing everything in this path and demanding human and animal sacrifices in exchange for its civility. Perhaps only one weapon can defeat this worm, and that weapon is a giant golem named Aldramelk. This poses a serious problem because Aldramelk requires human blood and willpower to function and has rejected every single potential pilot to climb inside of his bloody torso for the past thousand or so years. So, this is Ender's Gate... (laughs) Book one of book one of blank. It says on the on the cover. Book one of blank. So he's got a George R R Martin like. Uh, <laughs> oh. Full of, and, full of uh, and 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 there's a there, there's so a, so it's no it's not it's no fathers and sons is that is that what you're trying to say, Curtis? I, I well, it's pretty good because like there's <laughs> the 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 foreign power that they're dealing with is called the Skylander Kingdom. Wasn't the Skylander like a, a bunch of toys? Wasn't the, their Skylander toys? Wasn't that a yeah, line yeah, of yeah. toys? Yep. Like like everything like Ender's Gate, very close as Steve pointed out uh, before the 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 show to Ender's Game. Uh, <laughs> so so is it like a, a combination of Stargate and Ender's Game? Yeah, I think but so. it, but set in fantasy. Uh, yeah. 
old fantasy world made by Fair, space dwarves fairly derivative fairly derivative although i will say it does run 439 pages um oh. so you know so curtis put, what's your review buy this book it's <laughs> get the, get the, you're giving get it a recommendation you, you should be the first one to actually write a review for him maybe this is all just an elaborate plot to get his book <laughs> I yeah, think. and then, and then when you actually buy when you buy the book, it's actually lyrics to what was that one song that I I I, I uh, the one I found the song, uh, where were you with explicit lyrics? <laughs> Before we head off to the to, to our real headlines and 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 yeah, Steve, will stick around. We, we can't we can't continue we can't continue having uh, not have Stevie D and not talk a bit about wrestling. So we were reminiscing <laughs> about when Skydome hosted wrestlemania 18 which arguably i think it still goes down as one of the greatest ones because we were looking at the card and every single match basically had big names that are still remembered today hall of of famers up and down the card oh yeah yeah and 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 we were talking about the famous match that basically shook the the dome off and it wasn't even the main event which was uh the rock versus hulk hogan so this was hogan's uh, this was Hogan's return back to WWE since the 90s, right? Or not even the 90s. This would have been the 80s, right? When did he leave? He must have left early 90s, right? Mid, mid-90s mid he left Vince. But yeah. this was his first time coming back. And wow, the Toronto fans. Who knew that Toronto was a huge Hogan fan base there? Because The Rock was uh, was was the baby face in the match. And they had the switch. <laughs> <laughs> You know, during the match, they 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 had to switch roles. Like, and we suddenly saw heel rock come out, right? Yeah, I think Toronto, you know, lived up to its reputation of always sort of going counter to whatever the bookers at WWE wanted to do. And I think, you know, being in the crowd, I just remember the division. It was sort of guys of our age who remembered Hogan and grew up watching him, really cheering for him. And then you had the younger fans who were at the time growing up watching the Rock cheering for him. And so that was sort of the the two sides going back and forth. And I mean, and, 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 you know, credit to both performers, they both played it up so well and that just egged on the crowd. And yeah, you know, it was, the building was shaking. It was, it was unreal. Yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. Uh, considering like the match itself, like the wrestling, like the technical level of wrestling was pretty low in that. In that match. Oh, <laughs> that's, generous, that's generous. I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's, but you're right. Like, like like all of all of a sudden Hogan he started doing the like appeal to the crowd like wait, cupping his his hand to his ear appealing to the crowd the Rock started doing that thing where he just started like jawing to nobody and all yeah. that kind of stuff like they just completely switched personas and it was like I think they had an inkling it was coming because do you guys remember um, they had like that fan the fan expo sort of sh- show I forget what it was called. Uh, leading up to WrestleMania. Oh, uh, Access. I think they call Fan it. Access. That's yeah. it. Access, yeah. yeah. So at Access, uh, Vince McMahon came to address, you know, his, the peons at Access. He was like on some balcony and he goes, uh, he goes, so how, who, who, who is going to be cheering for the, the rock on Sunday or whatever. And there was like, you know, a decent, a decent pop. Who's going to be cheering for Hogan? And then, and then like a huge pop. And he just did that Vince McMahon sort of like, you know, raise an eyebrow and nod sort of. And then he, and then he, and then he left. <laughs> so he's probably telling them, you may need to do this. 
like spoiler alert to anyone listening that doesn't watch wrestling it is scripted it what other form <laughs> of entertainment will can can switch on a fly like that like you know what i mean like you you don't go to a a, a broadway play and suddenly they they realize oh this story is horrible and then switch on the fly like these guys went out there with the original script and then just realized oh we can't do this the 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 fans will tear us apart and then they then they do a spot to kind of complete the turn where the rest of nwo came out and attacked hogan and then rock came out and and they kind of he did a save and then they they kind of did the they were doing the the double flex at the to the fans at the end i i think you know talk about how how great they are like backstage guys you got to get out there (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the, that's the thing about it being scripted, right? Is that if a guy gets legitimately injured in a match, he has to keep wrestling because it's not part of the story. Whereas, you know, if it's, if it's part of the storyline, then of course, you know, his arm looks like it's going to fall off or his leg gets, his knee is busted and he can barely walk. But if he actually hurts his knee, most of the time, they'll, they'll, they'll keep working through that because it's not part of the, the story, right? Which is always something I always found remarkable about, uh, about, the scripted nature of wrestling that most people probably don't don't see. Yeah. Well, it was also demonstrated how quickly they'll they they they're how agile they are. I'll use mm-hmm. that word. Um, the pay per view that happened on January one, Roman was supposed to fight. Oh, blast from the past, uh, Brock Lesnar, and he tested positive. So not Lesnar, but Roman tested positive, and he's arguably the biggest draw right now. Tested positive, couldn't do the match with Lesnar. They have Lesnar. Let's put him into what was supposed to be a four-way, but now is a five-way match. And they they gave the title to him, which was obviously not that morning. <laughs> that was how things were gonna go. They they dropped the title to geez, like Lesnar. Like he started his career when you when we were all watching wrestling and um, don't you remember back then? We we all agreed. I think we we unanimously agreed that if aliens were to come to the planet and ask us to uh, challenged our Earth's mightiest warrior to a hand to hand combat, we all we all agreed that we'd nominate Lesnar to represent yeah. the human race. Absolutely. <laughs> I remember one of the early early times when we were watching wrestling, and uh, and 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 Liz came and. Um, and and said uh, you could show a movie on his back. <laughs> yep. And that was before his MMA run too, right? Yeah, so, which yeah. I think kind of took the shine off him, right? When he did that, when he did that run, and he sort of looked a little more human. But uh, yes, <laughs> he yes. looked a bit more human. Yes, yeah, just a little bit, just a little bit. Yeah. Okay, why don't we go uh, to the headlines? A new epidemic is raging through Springfield, and this one didn't start with Krusty Burger's Whatchamacarcus sandwich. All right, we got uh, some pretty fun stories that happened this week. Uh, so, Steve, we thought, since you're our guest and our resident news reader, we thought, uh, you know, we'd let you read the headlines and uh, we'll uh, kind of dig into each of the stories. So I'll let you, I'll throw it to you in three, yes. two. Passengers on Sunwing party plane could face jail time, thousands in fines. Oh, so, Curtis, did you did you watch the video from this? So this was a group of influencers i i'm beginning to really hate that term <laughs> of social media influencers they got onto a sunwing flight to cancun which uh 
did we decide it's basically Brampton with palm trees, like in terms of? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, they about uh, 130 people were on this flight and they were, let's just say, not following <laughs> pro-COVID uh, guidelines or any guidelines of any kind on a plane, for God's sakes. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're showing. I mean, so, among us have, hasn't had a big party day, but I mean, in the middle of a pandemic, it just you know. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. basically, the the there's videos. Of course, it's it's their influencers, so they cannot not video it and then post it, yeah. right? So there's images and videos of the flight shown passengers ignoring health measures, uh, jumping, dancing in the aisles, vaping, openly passing a bottle of hard liquor on the plane. In one video, a person was seen crowd surfing while the plane was in the air. It just looks it just looks like, you know, not only if you're on that plane, would you be like at high risk for catching COVID? You'd also be at very high risk for hearing about Bitcoin. <laughs> oh, God. So, Steve, you must have covered a story on cryptocurrency. Can you explain an NFT or crypt- cryptocurrency to us? Oh, gosh, I wish I could. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Blockchain, yes. the future, ledgers, more secure. Yeah, I don't know. I just can throw out words and maybe it makes sense. I think the story here with, with these folks, it was they, they some of them got, quote unquote, stranded. Most of them got home okay, but I think there was like a slew of them that I think was looking for a free ride off a of Sunwing. I don't know about you guys. I'd never fly Sunwing. I'd be like... You always hear the stories of the plane turning around. You would think this one would have turned around, but I think this was chartered, right? This was chartered, yeah. So I think that's the only reason why it was able to get to the get the way it got. Just, just, just nuts, just nuts. Okay, from sunny Cancun, we're going to move to Manitoba. Manitoba cabinet minister mocked for tweet of wife shoveling snow after twelve hour hospital shift. I got to give this guy a bell. Because, <laughs> damn, who does that? And what's the tweet? Uh, I, oh, I, here, I, I have the tweet in front of yeah. me. I can read it here. So uh, can I say his name? John Reyes? Oh, yeah. Like, at, yeah, at John, at John Reyes, 204. Even after a 12-hour night shift at the hospital last night, my wife still has the energy to shovel the driveway. God bless her and all our frontliners. Time to make her some breakfast. And he's got the little hands clasped together. Thank you. And it's... A picture taken from above looking down. You see a woman just beginning to shovel a what appears to be quite a long snow-covered driveway. Two things I want to talk about this story. One, like we all live in Toronto. Toronto snow is one thing. Manitoba snow is a whole different ball game, right? <laughs> and, and like I would have thought they would have a snowblower for envy. And two, I want to know what he made for, for breakfast. Well, I mean... You gotta love internet detectives because people went through his timeline and saw that he was up at two o'clock in the morning watching tennis that night. <laughs> so people were saying, "Well, tennis. you could wake up in the middle of the night to watch tennis, yet you couldn't go out and bother to shovel your own driveway." I think, um, I think, I think the breakfast was probably, you know, there it would have been there would have been some some nobility involved. I think it would have been the good Count Chocula. <laughs> yeah. Also, you'd think the house would have had a garage. He left the car out. So now she has to shovel around the car. <laughs> and then the best was when his wife, and I use that in quotation marks, tweeted that all I wanted to do was shovel. Uh, and But as people rightly pointed out, the tweet came from an account that had only been set up in October. And that was the first tweet it had ever sent. 
When the tweet was sent out, it didn't even have a profile picture and it didn't even follow her husband's account, all of which was changed in the hours after the tweet went out and people pointed this out. So his attempts at damage control were as good as uh, the first tweet that was sent out. You would think that any politician is well-trained for, for stuff like this, right? Like, just don't do it. Just stay. As Curtis and I always say on the phone, like, Curtis is on Twitter. I I follow, like, two accounts, but I never tweet anything. And that's fine. It's, it's just a one-way thing for me. But just stay off Twitter. <laughs> just don't do it. Nothing comes Nothing comes of posting anything interesting on Twitter. Especially. You know, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I have social media presence for work, but I pulled back drastically because I mean, it's, it's hard to be on a platform where, you know, you say the wrong thing and that could be cost you your career. So yeah, I definitely won't be posting photos of my wife shoving the driver. No. Mostly because I won't, I, mostly because I end up doing it. Curtis, if, 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 uh, if Heather was out there shoveling your driveway, if you had a driveway <laughs> after you've been watching tennis all night, <laughs> if I had one, yeah. What would, what would, what would her breakfast be? Uh, she gets the same breakfast every weekend, um, and it's uh, oatmeal from the instant pot. Nice. I make it. Every, is it at least steel cut? Is it, is, is it at least yeah, steel cut? We're, we're a rolled oats. We're a rolled oats family. Yeah, <laughs> not, not a steel cut nonsense, but uh, yeah, it's it's great. Uh, I but as as an aside, I love the instant pot. I'm just going to say that. I'm not going to go further down that rabbit hole, but. <laughs> For oatmeal, we, ha- we haven't used ours. We bought one and it hasn't been used yet. Oh, I so maybe we'll have to do a segment. Yeah, we'll have to do a segment on instant pot recipes. Yeah. So, Steve, what, what would you make for breakfast that morning? Uh, it would have to be an almond croissant. That's my wife's uh, favorite for breakfast. Wait, would you, you're actually gonna you got to roll and make that pastry yourself? Or are you running to? No, no, I'm running it. Well, after the driveway's been cleared, I can take the car out and. Good plan. After you've after after you've inspected the driveway to make sure she didn't miss a spot and and, and it's wide enough because you know I I, I hate it when yeah. kind of do a half ass job putting the snow and, and the driveway just gets narrower and narrower. That's not good. Well, the I question is, do I ask her to start the car for me to warm it up so when I get out there, the car is nice and warm? Yeah, I, I'd. I'd uh. <laughs> you would. <laughs> you you would think this guy also is is horrible at at uh, home economics because you would think that hiring the local kids and giving them five bucks is cheaper than a divorce lawyer. <laughs> well, you know, he, the funny thing is, he is Manitoba's Minister of Economic Development and Jobs. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just it just gets better and better. Oh, it does. It's the story that keeps giving this week. And I just want to say really quick that that driveway, like like in the picture, she's barely she's barely put like a dent in that driveway. Like there's a lot left to do. That's a big driveway. You can so, see so, like you can see you can see like you can see the scale from the car, right? Like the car is like a quarter of the driveway. All right, why don't we head off to the next one? This one's an interesting story about a man and his hobby home. How one Newfoundlander revived Blockbuster in his basement. So this was a, just a big fan, a Newfoundlander, decided to rebuild his house into, he painted even Blockbuster blue and he turned his house into what is a nostalgic Blockbuster outlet. My my first question about this story is: Does does Corey have an adult section that he has roped <laughs> off or or curtained off? That's what I want to know. I guess there's only one way to find out. <laughs> <laughs> we should all we should all do a field trip. I, I, I think Steve, you should you should uh, get a requisition for the CBC to do a story on Corey here. 
Yeah, actually, I wonder if they've already done one. I'm not sure. But uh, I, I, I was just reading the story. Sorry, it says he has a 1,000 VHS tapes with only about 350 on display at any one time. How does he decide which ones to display? And who is he displaying them to exactly? <laughs> <laughs> I want to know, does he have Michael Gross's uh, Tremors, A Cold Day in Hell? How many Tremor movies does he have? Does he have a section devoted to tremors? These are the questions we need to know. Yeah, we, we, we need to do like a, you know, one of those feel good stories at the end of the national for on, uh, <laughs> on, uh, on Corey here. I'm really digging the, uh, I'm really, I'm really digging the, the, the Kill Bill standee. Uh, it's a, he's, he's thought of everything. He's even, he's, he's even branded his own, his own, his own bottles of, of pop. He needs that free popcorn machine, right? Didn't, didn't Blockbuster originally, like when they yeah. first opened, had like, you know, you can come in, grab some popcorn, walk around the aisles? Mm-hmm. The idea of that now in COVID times, <laughs> just yeah. a free popcorn machine that anyone can just stick their hands in and grab popcorn <laughs> from and then walk around eating in public in a store. It just, you know. Don't worry, the, the coding is going to protect you, Steve. Yes, of course. Don't worry, don't worry. Let's head on to Quebec, who did some interesting things after this story, so we can kind of combine both stories. But uh, I keep calling him no-go, but it's Lego, right? So I guess he's trying to incentivize, maybe at this point not even incentivize, but he's trying to find sneaky ways of getting people, uh, more people vaccinated. Quebec expands vaccine passports to liquor, cannabis stores, with third dose requirement on the way. How smart is that? I heard that after he did that, vaccination uptake like went up, like hit people where it counts, right? Don't buy booze or weed unless you're vaccinated. Yeah, I guess, I guess, like I, I thought that, and, and and there probably was a big uptake, but I thought like once once those va- the vaccine passports came to to bars, that that was gonna like, you know, sort sort of convert the unconvertible. Well, um, people will just say, "I'll just buy and drink at home." Yeah, yeah, and apparently that's what you got to do. Is you got to, uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure you can still go to the depaneur and get the cheap stuff, but if you want to get like, you know, if you want to get a higher quality of alcohol in Quebec, got to get the jab. So instead of instead of you know underage kids asking somebody to go in to buy them booze, now you have vaccinated people standing outside <laughs> being asked to. Uh, to buy a two floor, that that or you know here you can you 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 go in with my phone. <laughs> See that's that's yeah you know exactly. Um, but but lately they 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 up the ante. So this is a pretty controversial right now, and I I'm sure the lawyers are chomping at the bit, waiting to say this is unconstitutional. Which is they they're thinking about imposing or they're they're in the process of imposing a surcharge i guess i, I don't i want to i don't want to call it a tax but it's like a surcharge if you a health surcharge if you are admitted to hospital and you are not vaccinated which curtis and i joked that this would probably be the next measure we thought but they'll never do it hey never <laughs> never never say never when it comes to quebec right <laughs> so i don't think it's gonna fly i i i, I think it's gonna get stopped yeah, is it one of those things where, yeah, you know, they say it and it generates a lot of attention and, you know, if it convinces a bunch of people to get vaccinated, then maybe it's a good thing at the end. But yeah, I don't see it actually going through it. So it's hard because, I mean, the number of people that legitimately perhaps can't get vaccinated or just, you know, are unable to for one reason or another, and maybe aren't anti-vax that may get caught up in this, it's, it, it kind of opens some doors that, uh, and makes things a little more tricky than it needs to be. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, well, that's the headlines. Thanks, Steve, for participating. We got one more little segment we wanted to kind of touch touch upon tonight, which was a, a review. Well, not review, but a, actually a new movie review. I actually have not seen this movie. I've seen the original quite a bit, the original David Lynch one quite a bit. I think I still have several versions of it at the cottage in, in VHS. Maybe this blockbuster guy might have them or not. And that's the the, the, the latest Dune movie with uh, Timothy Swishalet, right? Is, is, that, is, is that his name? Both you've yeah. seen it. So, uh, I'll, I'll, you know, Curtis, like what was your kind of initial thoughts? Well, I, I guess first let me ask you, what was your thoughts kind of going in? Were you like super excited or were you kind of apprehensive about going in? Like what's... Well... I was excited. I'm not familiar with uh, uh, Denny Villeneuve, the, uh, the Oh, director. you didn't see the Blade Runner? I didn't see it. No. Oh, no. okay. Um, I know that that he's he's pretty well respect, like he's very well respected, and uh, um, I, I'd like to see more of his stuff. But we we were uh, we were at a my my wife and I were at a at a at a bar uh, over the summer, sitting on the patio, and they get and and. Uh, there was no, there was no one else around, so the, so the, so the waiter was talking to us quite a bit, and he was talking to us about Dune a lot because he was a big Villeneuve fan, so he was really looking forward to seeing it. And uh, I'm not really that familiar with the the source material. Um, I had seen the David Lynch movie, and you know, enjoyed it for its ridiculousness, but not as anything. You know, yeah, there's to, there's, there's to, a lot of David Lynch ish stuff in it, right? Yeah, there's that, a lot of David Lynch ish stuff, and you know, <laughs> take it for what it's worth. Uh, but uh, so Heather and I went to see Dune, one of, one of two movies we managed to get to see in the theater before everything shut down again, and I was extremely impressed. I thought it was really, really well done. Um, it's a bit of a slow burn, but. Uh, you know, visually, it's excellent, and uh, I think the smart thing that 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 they did with this this uh, version uh, is they adapted roughly half of the first book, whereas the David Lynch one they tried to cram that entire because it's a fairly epic book, and they tried to cram the entire thing into into the into into you know two hours or whatever, or and. Uh, you know, you, you can see that you can see the result is is a it's in, it's incoherent and and whereas I think that this is far it ma- makes a lot more sense. But uh, yeah, just give it just give it time to tell the story, right? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So, so Steve, what was your first thoughts? Well, I was uh, super excited to see it. I've been a, a Dune fan for a long time. I read the books when I was in high school, and there's an anticipation of the movie coming out. Actually, we went back and reread the first book. And so it was a good reminder of the source material. And I'm also a big Denny Villeneuve fan, uh, the Blade Runner movie, but Sicario as well. Just his visual style, um, I, it really appeals to me. I really And Arrival, you know, some of his other movies as well. Just, I, I really, I, I'm a big fan. I know there's some people out there that, as I've read on the internet after and reading reviews of Dune, that aren't you know, big fans of his, but I, I, I really enjoy his movies. So I was really looking forward to how he was going to treat the material. And I think he pulled it off amazingly well. I'm curious, you know, because Curtis, you're saying you're not too familiar with the, the source material. You know, having reread the book, having it all fresh in my mind helped. And I, I thought he did a good job dropping in, you know, little bits of exposition without making it seem that, you know, he was going through and explaining the story to you. So 
Um, and then just visually, I thought the acting was really, really well done. And again, you know, like Curtis was saying, the fact that they just took half the book and and made it into you know a two and a half hour movie, which I even I felt I probably could have I could have I could have watched more. Um, I thought that was a good move, and I'm looking forward to how they you know treat the rest of treat the rest of it. Okay, I, I was I was I was just looking up. I thought maybe they filmed both of them and then going to release them slowly, no. but it doesn't look like that is the case. It looks like they're only in pre production for yeah, part I th- two. I think I think it was a case where the studio didn't want to take that gamble. Mm-hmm. And it was going to be too expensive to shoot both at the same time, and so. It was basically, you know, if this one does well, then you get the green light for the next one. Yeah, yeah. And and, and a solid cast. I, I yeah. was just looking, yeah. going down the list. Yeah, yeah. Really good, really good cast. Um, the, the guy who's like the, um, I guess, the head of the Harkonnen family. I forgot who played him in the David Lynch one. <laughs> but just, just, just a ridiculous character. And... Uh, I believe I'm going to kick myself out wrong, but I believe it's is it Stellan Stars Skarsgård who plays him in yes. that one? Yep. Yeah, yeah. And he just plays him with like this real quiet menace, and it's just mm-hmm. so effective. Very, very Marlon Brando esque for the podcast. Yeah, now. yeah, very much so. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's one of those. This is one of those movies where I've gone back and gone onto YouTube to watch, you know, people breaking down various scenes. And there's one video where somebody talked about some of the deleted scenes, and that there may be an extended cut down the road somewhere, which I would, you know, be interested, interested to see what, what else they add. Cause you know, I, I, I wanted, I wanted more just cause I, I loved it so much, but uh, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was really well done. I'm sure. I'm sure once it gets onto the streaming services, you'll probably get some extra little bits. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously there's always a wrestling tie in because they're all over the place. Uh, how, how did Dave do? He, he was menacing. Yeah. He, he played his <laughs> role very well. Um, I have to say, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty impressed with the career he's built, uh, you know, the acting career he's built. I mean, if you had to rank wrestlers who've gone on to movie careers, I think he's probably top three, right? It'd be the, I guess, the, the you know, outside of The Rock, who I guess, you know. Is like far and away, yeah. So far away, just like at one point the most bankable star in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, then, yeah, after that, yeah. Would you I, put I John Cena ahead of, uh, of Batista? Or would no, you? I would say Dave is, is over Cena. Yeah. Yeah. Cena also surprised. Cena surprised me. I mean, both of them have surprised me with how sort of like e- easily comedy comes to them. Especially Cena, who is never that funny of a of a wrestler, right? Like he was always like he always had sort of like the very a very straight laced gimmick. Yeah. yeah, and then and then after that, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yeah, <laughs> yes. for, for they live if nothing else. That's right. We can't, we can't not talk about uh, Zendaya. She had a crazy uh, fall. Like she's basically everywhere you're looking, she's in big movies, right? Like mm-hmm. she had Dune and then followed up with a, the little movie called Spider-Man, which like broke crazy box office records, right? Which I haven't seen. <laughs> Nor have I. Not yeah, that, that was, I think that was maybe my last movie I saw in the theaters before everything got locked down. Oh, it's the sad life we live in. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So um, it, it's it's good that they're making it too. I, I I think in this day and age, people are okay with these longer epics. You don't have to cram it into one movie. I'm mm-hmm. sure if if this wasn't a motion picture, it probably would be on one of the streaming services in what, like a six to eight part miniseries? Oh, I'm, for I'm sure. sure. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, I went through and I, I saw this fall on Apple Plus. Asimov's uh, The Foundation. Yeah, that was great. 
that was really good and i you know there's gonna be season two so um i thought that was i thought that was really good okay well that see that's 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 that sounds like it's a both a suggestion if you can go see it in the theaters but i think it's probably out of the theaters by now because i think this is something that we kind of delayed but i know that both of you have just seen the movie so i thought it'd be good to talk about it yeah i caught it just before spider-man knocked it out of theater so well steve I'm glad you could spend the hour with us. I uh, oh, hope you had some fun me. times. Yeah, this yeah. was great. Thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah, no problem. So, so Steve, now that you're back in town, it would give you a little give you a little time to give yourself a little plug. What what are you doing these days now for the CBC? So, I'm one of the co-hosts of Marketplace, our uh, consumer affairs show, which you can watch every Friday at 8 p.m. Also, stream on CBC Gem, and I'm also headed to Beijing for the Olympics. So, you can watch me as part of the CBC news coverage of the upcoming Olympics. Do you know what sports you're covering at all, or are you I will, getting your? Well, I mean, we're covering it from more from a news perspective, but I will be based in the mountains, so I'll be covering most of the uh, ski and mountain sports. Oh, right on! You know what my fa- one of my new favorite sports uh, that the Winter Olympics introduced is all the the cross racing, so yeah, like ski the cross, speed cross yeah. and the snowboard cross. Mm-hmm. That is like Mad Max on 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 snowblades like you yeah. know that there's there's not supposed to be contact but you can tell <laughs> they're yeah. gonna give them clubs in, in a few years <laughs> yeah yeah no no I, I, yeah definitely we're, we're glad to see have you back in town and um also kind of seeing you more on tv and whatnot with marketplace do, do we can you give us a spoiler will we see you sometime this season being shoved out by some owner of some sketchy store <laughs> uh well i did i've done a couple reports one on uh, cbd and one on flood insurance and then the next one i have i can't really give away what it's about but it should be on sometime in march i think okay but it's one that i think i think one everyone everyone has experience with the uh, the topic we're covering so okay uh, you definitely okay. want to you definitely want to tune in I was I was just hoping that you know I'd be watching TV and see see you escorted out in in some harsh manner. And say, no, oh, yeah. no Peter Silverman moments, James. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's hope not. And and, and and all the best. Glad to have you back uh, north of the border, Steve, and and, and doing it for the CBC. Uh, so that uh, finishes off the episode for this week. Thank you for listening. You can catch Curtis and I weekly on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, where on both platforms, you can now give us a rating. And um, the more ratings we get, people will find us or find our little show. Curtis, uh, you are going to be in town covering the Olympics. Any uh, any thoughts on uh, what the what the Olympics are going to come, come by? Are you going to give us a weekly insert into the podcast on the olympics yeah yeah i'll give 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 some updates yeah i'll be i'll be in toronto but i'll be on on a beijing hour so that should be pretty fun uh <laughs> i'm so glad i'm so glad that after three olympics in a row it's gonna go it's gonna go to, to a more sane time zone for the next one <laughs> three asian olympics in a row is not no fun yeah. well back but, when i back when i worked with curtis i did uh, the australia games on in toronto on australia on sydney time so oh, yeah. 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 That was not yeah. fun. <laughs> it was fun actually it was a lot of fun the, 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 yeah it is fun it is fun it is you just you you have to you have to sort of steal yourself for the for the shock of the time change <laughs> and if you can do that then um that then then that, that's half the battle um yeah, Steve, you weren't you were already gone by two thousand and eight, right? When the the Summer yeah. Beijing Games. Yeah, yeah. the the Sydney Games uh, in two thousand was uh, sort of the end of my career at CP. I, I left shortly afterwards and started right. At CBC. Right, uh, right. 
just after that. So yeah, that was sort of my swan song. Uh, you did, you didn't get it. to see me. You didn't get to see me stupidly drink four Red Bulls on my first shift, not knowing the power that that, <laughs> that they possessed, and then getting no. arrhythmia for the rest. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> oh, Curtis. Oh, I just remember when I was in uh, when I was in Rome covering the uh, installation of Pope Francis. We had worked so many hours. I ended up drinking the Italian version of Red Bull, which was like Lamborghini or something like that. That was uh, <laughs> that was that kept me going for the last day or two. I- I, I've heard of that. Isn't like ephedrine like one of the ingredients in it? Like you're just basically Probably. taking liquid speed. Probably. I was. Yeah. I needed whatever I could to keep to get to go through the last. Just, few, the just last keep day. it together, right? Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, thanks again for listening, folks. And sometimes, sometimes a cucumber is just a cucumber. From home.